Hey everyone, welcome to the Daily Halacha Kabbalah and Machshava podcast series, brought to you by YesodBlocks.com. If you're enjoying this content, you can head over to YesodBlocks and you can subscribe there, join our growing community, get access to Torah content that will completely reshape the way you think about the Torah and integrate all the different parts, different areas, and show you that it's really all one giant system. That when you actually access it in that way, it turns on the machine and suddenly it does what it was always meant to do, which is actually continuously expand and enhance your awareness of Hashem's presence in the world and then undoes the damage of the Eitz Hadas, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and fixing all the distortions that are inside of our minds that are literally the root of all human error, human fallibility, human flaws. Every single mistake that we make is rooted fundamentally in the distortions of the Eitz Hadas Tovara. And so learning the Torah properly, not only does it give us insight into understanding reality properly, but it also allows us to protect ourselves from all those distortions and see reality more fully and actually access Hashem, who represents the 95% backdrop to our inner world, our thoughts, our inner space, as well as the world around us. So that's all at yourselfblocks.com. Head over there, subscribe, and support what we're doing, and also get access to all of that stuff. This is the Erev Shabbos episode. It's now Friday, and in every episode we explore a halacha from the Shulchan Aruch. We're going through Arachayim, but on Fridays we explore a halacha from Hilchos Shabbos. We're in the middle of Siman Reish Nun Gimel, which as I've been saying in the last few episodes of the Erev Shabbos series, is a very, very technical section of the halachos of Shabbos. And the backdrop to all these halachos is that there's a restriction of doing malacha on Shabbos because the idea of what Shabbos is is basically a reflection of what Hashem is doing right now. For Hashem, it's always Shabbos at this point. Uh, Shabbos started for Hashem in a certain way the second that creation began. Uh, that's why you can think of it as the concept of Hashem doing Shabbos basically means Hashem stopping from being mechadesh, from doing new things in reality, from adding new stuff and for reality to constantly be um, updated with things that were not there five seconds ago, fundamentally uh, upending the reliability, the predictability, uh, the inherent systematic patterns of existence. So Hashem is not adding anything new like that. And so what that means is that now there is a stable environment for us to now do our own things, to add things to that which was created. That's what the whole... The, the paragraph about um, Hashem stopping that is at the very end of the creation story, the paragraph of Vayahulu that we say on Friday night in Kiddush. So it says all the things that Hashem barai lokim lasos, the things that Hashem created in order for us to do them. So in order for there to be a, a context for us to do things here, there has to be a stable environment in which we can accurately track how things work and then we can extrapolate based on that how things could work at higher states of, of understanding of you know how science works, how the world around us works, essentially. And so in order for that to happen, the, the environment has to be predictable. There has to be repeatable uh, uh, phenomena in existence. And if there aren't, so then we can't really harness anything. We can't achieve what the Torah calls v'chiv shua, to actually conquer the world. In other words, to basically harness what reality is. And so the the stability of that is what's represented by Hashem stopping, what's that, that Hashem is vaishbot, um, that Hashem basically stopped making new stuff. And the so the whole idea of, of Shabbat from Hashem's perspective is basically that there is a system 
a stable, predictable system that Hashem put in place, that all of reality unfolded from that. And that actually started at the very beginning of creation because Hashem started the process as Rashi quotes the Medrash in the beginning of Parshas Barashas, that it says that Hashem basically created everything that was going to come was kind of put there in the beginning. And then everything just unfolded from there. So, and that that is kind of a sub-point sub, sub of the of a broader point in the Chumash that the phases of creation, people call the six days, are actually six plus one phases, and some of those phases are actually concurrent. In other words, they um, they they are they are parallel to each other. They're not they're not linear. It's not that there's one after another, but some of them actually encapsulate other phases. And so the seventh phase encapsulates all the phases. It's kind of like the the backdrop environment of all of reality. And so that phase is kind of, you can think of that as what's called it's like the the initial thought was there has to be an environment of stability for there to now be room for the evolving selves, the neshamos, that are now going to be the created beings in the world. And that's what we are. So the, the initial thought was there has to be a stable space for them in order to evolve. Uh, you can't evolve if, if an evolve has, it's a pretty broad, uh, Definite, pretty broad definition for this this particular topic, but in order for them to be able to evolve, there has to be a stable environment, and so that was the initial thought. And then the the Sofma said the ending point of the story is Hashem stopping and actually making that stable place now be fully functional. And that's why we say that when we when we say uh, in Lachadoti we say Sofma said the ending of the story is actually the it was the initial plan. But what is that initial plan? So we often think of that as just kind of like well. It's just, it's a holy time, it's a holy day. Hashem stopped, he made Shabbos so that we could also have Shabbos. But it's actually, it's very, it's a very um, backwards almost way of thinking about it. It's that Hashem stopped because that was the point. The plan was to stop to make room for there to now be partial aspects of Hashem's self uh, exploring and growing and expanding their consciousness of themselves as aspects of Hashem. That was why Hashem stopped. And then we today... Uh, we have to stop also because as one of the ways of undoing the distortion of the Eitz Adas, like the entire Torah, all the mitzvot are all there to help us undo the damage of the Eitz Adas story. So we actually have to stop one day a week to actually uh, pull ourselves out of our creative tendencies that are during the other six days and all of our the application of our consciousness to the world to actually do things that bring it forward to higher states of development. So those things, uh, those are that's what we're supposed to do. So we're supposed to be doing things like that. But the problem is that because of the Eitzadas, we get fixated on our capacity for creativity, and then we start over-identifying ourselves as those things, and then that leads to a situation in which now there's a massive distortion in our heads, and we start over-perceiving ourselves as our creative abilities, and that destroys families, it destroys connection, it destroys divine consciousness, essentially, because it's too much immersion in the finite side of being. So we have to have one foot in the finite side of being, which is where creativity is, and the other foot has to be on the endless, intangible side of being, which is where Hashem's root self is, and really our root self, the Neshama, is. So that's what we're doing on Shabbos. We're basically trying to pull back, unfunnel ourselves from our fixations on our creative dynamic, and then trying to experience the bigger picture of reality of Hashem. And so that's the reason why that's like why we're copying Hashem and doing that. Just like Hashem has Shabbos, we have Shabbos, because Hashem, when he created all the things he created during the six phases of creation, so the backdrop of that was us. That's the Sofma Sebachavatrila. That's the whole point of reality is that there should be a stable environment for us. So 
the idea of Shabbos for Hashem is that he never lost sight of why he was creating everything he was creating. He never got fixated on his creativity in that way. And so we also now have a Shabbos ingredient. But for us, it is linear because we have a very hard time not being linear because we flow through space and time, whereas Hashem is beyond space and time. So for Hashem, the phase of Shabbos was encompassing. But for us, it's it's uh, it's every seven days, and that's why also that's that's kind of one of the reasons why the Torah articulates the phases of creation in, in a linear form, because we are linear beings flowing through time and space in a linear way. So that's the backdrop, and so those the, the types of things that we don't do on Shabbos are the malachos. These are thirty nine different activities that, when you apply your conscious awareness to the world and bring permanent change as a function of your conscious awareness, that is the definition of malacha, intentional application of consciousness to bring higher states of order, permanent order, to the world. And so we're learning these halachos about different kinds of malachos that we're not supposed to do, 39 different ones. And so in this particular siman, again, Reish Nun Gimel is uh, 253, and we're up to halacha Gimel, the third halacha in the Seif. And this halacha says as follows. It says, Hamashkim Baboker, somebody who wakes up in the morning, this is talking about on Shabbos morning, and these are all halachos that have to do with cooking. So it says, tavshilo. He left like some kind of a dish with food in it overnight on, a, on some kind of a hot uh, heat source based on the halachos of the previous parts of this siman, which describe how you're able to do that. And now he sees that it got burnt. So he's afraid it's going to get more burnt. So what can he do? He can take it off of the hot source, the hot spot, he can put an old an old pot that's empty on top of the heat source then you can then take the the dish that had the the cooking food the or the cooked food that is that was getting burned uh, on top of that uh, that empty pot on top of the empty pot so you're basically taking taking it off you're taking the, the your your pot with your cooking food or cooked food that's burning, taking it off of the uh, heating source, and then you're putting an empty pot on top of the heating source in between, and then you put the pot with the food back on top of the empty pot, so that way it's kind of like an, an in-between, like a blockage of the heat, and that way it reduces how hot the food actually is, is being heated to, and that will then stop it from burning. So, and he says, You have to be careful that when you're putting the, the other pot on top of the heating source as the go-between, that you don't put the pot with the food in it on the ground and let go of it. And it should also be that it is boiling. Um, because so, so it's supposed to be boiling. So, just the backstory here, as we've been discussing, is that heating food, heating liquid food, um, and so there's, there's basically two kinds of foods. There's dry food and liquid food. So dry food that's been cooked already uh, cannot be cooked more. It's, it reaches a state of cookedness, it's cooked, that's it. So it's kind of like a status. And you think of that as, well, the idea of cooking is one of these 39 malachos. And so when you apply your consciousness to food uh, materials in their raw form, uh, and you try to bring them to a higher state of sophisticated integration and order and harmony, which is what cooking actually is, that's a malacha. So you're not supposed to do that on Shabbos, and so that's what this is all about. So the question is, well, okay, well, what, what exactly is called a malacha? Because as we discussed, we, there's constantly this tension between, okay, we don't want to do malacha on Shabbos, but we also don't want our inability to do malacha to actually make Shabbos a day that is miserable, because malacha is what gives life its its um, its stability, essentially. So it's like we, you know, having food, having um, fire for heat, having heating source, heating elements, having light, 
um, being able to create things that you need for Shabbos, so that way your light, your day of Shabbos is not a very, uh, like, just an unpleasant day, because it's supposed to be a day where you're actually accessing awareness of Hashem's presence, and you can't do that if you're being very, very restrictive. Restrictive dynamics are not good for consciousness expansion. We find that in the Torah in many contexts. So what that looks like then is that, so you, ha- you, you're, you have to have, you're supposed to have good hot food on Shabbos, food that you enjoy. The problem is you can't really make, you can't cook it on Shabbos, and you can't heat it on Shabbos. So how do you do that? So that's really what we're talking about here, all these ways to do that, that you can actually somehow have the hot food, but without actually doing malacha on Shabbos. So here, this example is talking about a case of food that is a liquid food. So if you have like some kind of a stew, let's say. So stews, liquid foods, in halacha, if they are heated past a certain point, they're considered cooked, essentially. Um, and meaning if they're heated and then they, they stay at that temperature for a while, but if they cool down, so then they actually are considered to be able to be recooked. In other words, unlike dry foods that if you heat them, if you cook them and then they cool down afterwards, reheating them is not considered to be recooking them. With liquid foods, it actually is considered to be recooking them because they're basically, the liquid when it cools, it's considered to kind of like returned to its original state. Whereas, and then if you, if you heat it up, then it's like you're now recooking, at least according to some halachic opinions. So that's how we generally uh, um, assume halachically, and so that's what this seif is about. It's basically saying, okay, so you have liquid food that's been on a heat source. You had it on, a, on that heat source from before Shabbos in a way that is allowed. That was the earlier episodes discussing how you could do that. So you heated it going into Shabbos in a way that was allowed, that was not a malacha. And now it's the next morning, and that that food now is burnt or somewhat dried out from what you did. It's it's, it's it got damaged by what you did. So you want to keep it warm, but you don't want it to keep heating at that temperature because it's going to burn. So what do you do? So you can take it off of the uh, heating source, and then you now want to put something put something in between, like another pot. So the question is: Is there are there any malachos involved in putting a pot in between a pot, another pot with food in it, and a heat source? So there's two main issues here. That's the first one is the pot itself, the in between pot. It has to be what's called a pot a kedera yeshana, which means an old pot. So the Mishnah Brewer here explains the reason why it has to be an old pot is because what, another malacha that you could do. It doesn't exactly specify which malacha it is, but it sounds like it's probably. Uh, something like makiv um, patish, which means finishing an actual project of some kind. If you have like a pot that you're making, so the final phase of compl- the completion of that of that um, vessel is also a malacha. It's that malacha is called makiv patish, meaning it's like the final hammer blow of the cr- construction of whatever it is that you're creating. So he says here the reason why it has to be an old pot is if it's a new pot meaning it hasn't really been used yet, hasn't really been completed fully, so then when you heat it up in this way, that's actually considered to be, um, it's like a, heating a pot like the first time is kind of like the completion of its creation because it now tempers the pot in a certain way since it's never been heated, so the metal is now kind of formed in a certain way as a result of that, and it now is considered to be completed in halacha. So that's the end of a process of making pots. Now, of course, we don't have a lot of connection today to that kind of manufacturing, so we don't really know so much about that. Um, but the idea, uh, maybe you do as listeners, but um, I personally just know only the things I've learned here and things I've read a little bit about how pots are constructed, but the idea is that these kinds of malachos are, are things that are being done all the time. We just often take them for granted because we just, well, we just have, we buy pots in the store, and so we don't really think about that as being anything of significance, but the making of those vessels is a significant process. Uh, the Mishra Brewer actually points it out here, and he says, well, our pots nowadays, they're all finished when we get them, so it's not really an issue. Um, but so, but but the point is just from from our learning perspective to understand why it has to be an old pot. 
because that is actually uh, a malacha, and so it's one of the things that you wouldn't be able to do. You're supposed to do it with a with a, an old pot that's already been heated in that way. That's the first example, the first piece of this. The second piece is this, the very idea of putting it on top of another thing, is that when you put it on top of a pot, so one of the problems with, with, with um, cooking on Shabbos, aside from the actual malacha of it, is that there are situations where it looks like you're cooking even if you're not actually cooking. And so that's that's also, there's a separate prohibition, a separate problem there in halacha of doing something which looks like it's a malacha because that can actually make other people think that, that that's okay to do, or people will think that you're doing malacha on Shabbos, which is also bad for you, how, how you look as a person in your social connections. And while in general the Torah does not make a very big fuss about how you look to other people, ironically nowadays people are obsessed with that halacha a lot more. It's like, it's all about, a lot of it is about how you look, but the reason is because the depth of what it is that you're doing has been lost largely. In other words, the idea of what the significance of a malacha even is has largely been lost, as I've been, that's the whole reason why we have this series. So there's, all that's kind of really left is how does it, how do I look when I'm doing, like, you know, in front of the eyes of other people, and that becomes very magnified. And actually, I've spoken to many people who are struggling with Torah and have walked away from the Jewish life because they felt there's been too much of a fixation on that dynamic of how does it look in the eyes of other people. So that's actually a very small piece of the story, but it is a piece. Uh, and when taken out of context, it can make people very disturbed and bothered because it's just like, why, you, why do you care so much about what other people think about you? So that's a longer discussion by itself. But the point is that um, that's also something which is, which is prohibited to actually do something which looks like you're doing a malacha. And so here, the, the, the halacha is telling us you're allowed to do this, to put your, cook, your cooked food, your dish, on top of another pot because although you're now replacing that food on, onto a heat source after taking it off because you don't want it to burn, you're doing it in a way which does not look like you're cooking because nobody cooks um, a dish on top of another dish. It's a very odd thing to do, to put like a pot on top of a heat source and then put another pot on top of that. It's not a way to cook, so therefore that is not considered to be actually looking like you're cooking. And so that's uh, that's basically the idea here. Those are the halachos that are uh, that are expressing the underlying principles of the malacha concepts that we're talking about here. And again, like I keep mentioning, so much there's so much detail in the, these malachos, and they're all ultimately rooted in the core points that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. So it's always key to take every single halacha that you learn and tie it back all the way to that. Otherwise, you kind of just end up learning in a shallow way where you're just lost from what this is really about, and then it gets very technical in a way that becomes, it sounds almost neurotic, and for a lot of people that's really a big struggle, and some people love, I mean, I always loved learning halacha in my in my uh, younger years, but at a certain point, as I got older, I started to see, like, there's more to this, and there's depth here, so I just find it particularly fascinating how much there is underneath each of these things, but for some people, it's actually impossible to even learn halacha at some point, because they just can't take it because it just seems like there's no there's no structure but there is a structure the structure is profound and deep and, and whole and holistic and so that's what we're trying to show here so i hope that was clarifying and useful and thanks so much again for listening and tuning in check us out at yasoblocks.com subscribe there and join us and get access to all the rest of the torah that's underneath this system and looking forward to having you join me for the next episode have an awesome shabbos